Hey, it is Andre, and it's time for another RC After Hours podcast. And this one's kind of special, kind of fun. It is a weekday, but uh, most of us across the country, or at least I know in Canada, we've got two days off. It's an extra long weekend, but we can't even go flying. So, oh, well. So I, uh, I reached out to our guest, who I'm pulling up right now on screen, and that is Seth Arnold from Flex. And he said, yeah, I'd love to come on the show. Uh, or maybe a public affairs uh, relation person said, no, Seth, you got to come on the show. But either way, we've got Seth Arnold, um, yeah. who, hey, good morning. Thank you for coming on. Good morning. Uh, and uh, we're going to have some fun. We're going to dive into this uh, this gentleman's career. Um, and I was, I'm going to throw the link up in the description. And I was uh, in the... Um, in the warm-up to the show as I was talking with Seth, uh, I didn't realize how much influence uh, Seth has had throughout his career. And the genesis of that is you've probably, if you've been flying for a couple of years now, you may have flown something you've designed that, that Seth has designed everything. So with that out of the way um welcome to the podcast thank you for coming on uh i don't know if you get an opportunity to do anything like this before but uh we'll we'll be gentle we're gonna put you through some questions i got some hot seat questions since you're a new fresh guest we're gonna torture you a little bit but they're fun questions and if anybody is listening to the podcast uh live on the youtube stream right now feel free to queue up a question and um we'll do our best to get through them all so here we go so seth Talk us through your career, man. Like uh, it's 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 kind of interesting, kind of uh, kind of fun, actually. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been a little bit of a journey to get here where we're at now, but uh, it started out just me and my dad having fun with model airplanes, just like everyone else, you know. Um, I always had an interest in aviation, but I had other hobbies prior, like motocross racing, for example. I kept getting hurt in and that sort of thing, and we finally said it's enough of that. Let's let's get a new safer hobby, you know. And so we picked up an airplane and started flying and my dad and I started actually flying about the same time but got into flying and started flying uh, aerobatic stuff I really liked the aerobatic uh, type flying flew iMac and like the 3d freestyle stuff and kind of started competing there started you know doing pretty well in some of the contests got to meet a lot of really cool people doing that and uh, ended up uh, getting some sponsorships and different things from companies like Horizon Hobby that were able to help me out at the time and uh, actually ended up finding a position there at Horizon for a short period of time. So uh, it was a pretty cool, a long journey to get where I am now here at Flex. But uh, had a lot of good time with my dad flying the, all the iMac and freestyle and just out flying, having fun like everyone else. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I've actually got the page up and uh, we won't dive too much into your previous career, but it's still impressive. And, and I looked through the thing and I'm like, I've flown that, I've flown that, I've flown that, I've flown that. So your modern day, what do you do at Flex? I mean, in today's world, we do a little bit of everything anymore. I mean, I've helped out with testing different things. I've got projects that I'm working on myself. Um, I've helped out with some video content, some social media stuff. I've done a little bit of everything. We've done web web work. It's uh, we just kind of do whatever's needed at the time. So a little bit of everything now, man. Is that, I mean, is that, is that the, is, is that a little bit of the flex mantra where everybody's flexible? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we always work, you know, work towards is like, we want to be, you know, flexible in what we're doing, not only with our products, but what we do as well and kind of do whatever the company needs at the time to make the best products and stuff for our customers and give them the best experience. So very cool. So uh, on the unflex innovation, now this company has been around for how many years now? Is it uh... Uh, about five years now, six years? Nice, nice. And it's, uh, it's, it's funny because 
um, we were talking on the last show that you guys just rolled out uh, the uh, the F100, which is quite a striking change. We were like, you know, everything was very, you know, okay, okay there's the flex, there's the uh, the the uh, vectoring thrust flex jet, and then a carbon, you know, composite one. And I'm like, hey, cool, but it feels like repetitive kind of evolutions, I should say, of existing products. And then all of a sudden, there's this very radical change because it's got a paint scheme to it and everything. Um, sure. Is this, is this part of your, you guys just pushing your envelope and finding out, you know, finding your feet and just growing and growing and growing? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, we, we always want to focus on the best flying products. That's kind of our, our big thing is we want to have a good flying experience. We don't necessarily want to have one of every airplane out there, but we want to have key airplanes that are fun for people that people enjoy having. And the F-100 was just kind of the next stop there. There's not many of them out there. And David Ribby, he's a great jet designer. He's done some Top Gun airplanes that are just phenomenal. And he's the one that did all the design and, and everything on the F-100. And so we wanted to do something that was a little bit different that not a lot of people have available out there, but something that people could still enjoy and have a good time flying. Yeah, it's uh and it's 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 gorgeous looking. Uh we did the poll on the on the podcast uh and I think the um the aerobatic team colors won out over the over the camo, but I I love the camo look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I always joke and it's like I'm torn between both of them myself. I mean, the camos, uh, you know, you got the military heritage from Vietnam and everything with that airplane. and But the Thunderbirds is always something that's it's a little cool at the same time. So I always say, you know, well, I need to have two. I need one camo with all the bombs and tanks and everything on it. And then I need the Thunderbirds for the aerobatic flying and the, the bigger flight performance. But very cool. Uh, so, so you mentioned your 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 three D career, your three D flying career. So, is that what really is that is that what really makes you enjoy flying? Like when you go and and work on an airplane, is that something that you're really striving for? You want that 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 envelope, I guess. I mean, everyone has their kind of like personal preferences and what they prefer to fly or like to fly. I mean, my, at my core, I always enjoy flying the giant scale aerobatic models. Um, you know, the big extras, the big yaks and all that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> whenever we're creating a product for me anyway, I'm more just wanting to create something that's the best product it can be for the subject matter that we decide that it is. So we can create that kind of really good flight experience for the customer and so it's like we don't necessarily want to take you know a cub and make it 3d aerobatic but if we can just make it fly well and be enjoyable to fly that's kind of the goal with with that kind of thing nice so i know i mean uh, you can't see it very well behind my head but there's there's a mamba 10 and man that thing became last year when i brought that home from flight fest uh that became my go-to airplane to the point that i'm like i need like brand new batteries because i was just my old 3s 2200s were really showing their age and it was like wow i can't i can't enjoy the aircraft because the plane doesn't have enough the batteries aren't aren't providing the plane with enough lift sure you guys had just released the 60 um do you normally, you know, in the case of the Mamba, there's what, like three in the series now, the, the 10, the 60, and I think the 120, the 70 and the 120, sorry, so four. Do yeah. you, do you, do you like that? Do you reverse engineer it where you think, okay, bigger aircraft scale it down, or in this case, was it the smaller aircraft and it scaled up? 
I mean, in general, most of those, like, uh, you know, I don't want to speak directly for Kike, but I would say most for the most part on that type of thing, they're not just scaled up or down. They're totally new designs for each size. So if you look at the Mamba 10 and overlay it over the Mamba 20, they're totally different. Obviously, they're both based on a Model 12 uh, type biplane, um, but they're totally different. They're not just scaled up, scaled down. There's differences between each one to make them fly best at their apparent sizes, of course. Um, they're all, you know, like I said, for the most part, it's a model 12. You can't vary too much. And with it still looking like a model 12, but mm-hmm. by and large, there's quite a bit of difference between each of the variants. So out of, out of the flex innovation collection, like, um, what do you, what do you have in your hangar? Well, I'm waiting on my Mamba 120, of course, being oh, a 3d aerobatic guy. Yeah. TK and I've been kind of sharing the one prototype we have for different stuff for needs for work. But, um, outside of that, um, I really enjoy the RV-8. That's one of my favorite airplanes. Um, with the floats and everything, it's somewhat 3D aerobatic, you know, but it's just a good scale sport airplane too. You know, you can putt around with the flaps down. I was at an event in Virginia a while back, and I just had fun at dusk just putting around with the lights on and just doing yeah. touch and goes with it, and it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to say it. the 60 had just come out in July last year, and you guys didn't have any, and I was like, I, it, some part of me is happy because the ten just kind of you throw it in the car and you go right. And there's, mm-hmm. there's that that infinite, there's that fine line between it fits and I'm gonna damage it, or it fits and it's perfect. And I think the Mama Ten was just like that check mark. But I tell you, the the sixty, ooh, and it, it's funny because one of my projects later on this year, or well, it's probably twenty twenty one, is I eventually need to step in. I've rejoined my club and everything, and I want to get my first gas plane. I flew Nitro way back when, and it was just it wasn't it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And you know, now I can actually I've got a garage and I can store the things outside in the garage and everything, but. Later on, I definitely want to look at a gas-powered machine, and so we'll see where, where that all leads. But some of these aircraft just, you know, it, it's it's fun to see. Um, at first, when I looked at a lot of your, your aircraft, it was all foam, but you guys are slowly pushing to to different materials. Like, obviously, you just released the composite of the, uh, uh, of the flex jet, and the Mamba 120 is, that's a balsa, a bit more balsa aircraft? Yeah, it's kind of a composite as well. It's not really fiberglass, but it's a composite plywood and carbon. Um, so like all the interior structures, laminated carbon fiber with plywood. Um, so it's kind of a newer tech than that class of airplane that's been out for the last couple of years now. Um, but just trying to make stuff lighter, stronger, and better flying. Nice, nice. Uh, it's, uh, man, it's it's fascinating to watch. And then, and then you guys have your technology behind it, your, your flight controllers. And... At first, I mean, I was like, when I when I got the FlexJet, I, I struggled with that in the sense of like, oh, I need a computer to program this thing. And then I caught on and I was like, oh, 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 this is an aircraft that I can potentially grow into. I've got all the stability things. And as I get better at flying this thing, now we're starting to see where I can start mixing in all these different control surfaces and do different stuff. So I'm not there yet. Sure. I'm not there yet. <laughs> the FlexJet and I... Yeah. Uh, uh, have some fun together. I've flown it a few times. I've I've uh, I've roughed it up a little bit. I admit, but um, uh, I'm also 
you know, one of those things where I'm realizing, you know, to fly a quality aircraft, something like that, I realized I needed some quality power behind it because I was, I've, I've, my field is short and I've had a couple takeoffs where I'm like, wow, I used up every inch of that runway. But sure. as I read through some of your documentation and some of your setups, I realized that I can start mixing some stuff a little differently as I, as I dove into the programming. Um, when you guys develop an aircraft, when you work in that, how much time do you spend tweaking all those settings? Like you release your settings, obviously. Or you can go and you can download and program and dump them in, and most aircraft come from factory pre-programmed. But how much time do you guys spend in your development to, to make that thing, that, that ultimate flying experience that you talk about? I mean, you know, obviously the airplane itself takes quite a bit of time. There's a little bit of a misconception, I think, that we just – make the airplane and then however it flies is how it flies and we just stick the aura on top of it to band-aid it and that's not really the case no we focus on the airframe itself make sure the airframe is solid and then we add the aura to that so that the whole experience is better but aura specifically setups i mean it kind of depends on the airplane um our new f100 i did the expert program for it um that one took me probably 15 20 flights or so to do so i spent one day out the field with the generator to charge batteries and keep cycling through them all and, and you know, kind of got stuff pretty well uh, squared away in about 20 flights or so uh, but after that we still had the rest of the guys at the office fly it kind of get their opinion on it and make any final tweaks to it just so it's not just specifically for me but fits a wide variety <laughs> of people that's always the challenge is like i know what i like but everyone has their own little preferences and nuances so you know it's uh, it's nice to have you know, a lot of good pilots like Kike and David and Josh and everyone at the at the company here to be able to kind of offer input and feedback to that kind of thing. Well, I have to say, sometimes I watch the videos and you guys, you guys are really good about releasing the raw flight, really windy conditions, and I'm like, I can't even do that on the best of days. <laughs> you know, so you guys, yeah. you know, hats off, top top level pilots and everything. Um, and it's just it's it's fascinating to see the mash of technology and it, it, that's that's. It, from an outsider looking in and just starting to really absorb what you guys offer. And I've got friends who, who, who fly, um, who, who they're like, you know, you got to get into a turbine jet. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but they talk right. about, you know, they talk about agonizing over what controller to put in. And you, it, you know, like a couple of them just go, no, I just, I, I go with the flex stuff because I know it works and I'm happy with it and everything. Um, and just just from the variety of aircraft, and you guys recently collaborated with Flight Test, correct? And and developed yep. the smaller controller. Um, what was that like? And and I I actually I see the reason too. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, we wanted to try to we've wanted to do something kind of in that class for a while, but we don't really necessarily have like the best like market for it or the best products. For to offer something like that and going to flight to flight fest and talking with the guys there, we kind of realized that a lot of their aircraft and a lot of their customer base really needs something like that. Um, obviously they can't afford the aura or something similar. That's a hundred dollars or $200 to stick in their airplane when the whole airplane costs $200 or a hundred dollars. Um, so we wanted to develop something that had that core aura feeling, you know, where it's focused on the pilot and control, but also have something that offers a little bit of assistance for the newer pilots, like the launch assist that we have in that and some other uh, pretty cool features. But um, it was a pretty cool experience to work with those guys, and they offered a lot of really good input, and we're happy we finally have it out to everyone to to use and have fun with. Yeah, it's actually, it's on my uh, it's on my things of to, to do, uh, to, to acquire and test and play with. I mean, there's a a litany of small airplanes and flight test planes and everything. And like you said, you guys don't actually have an airframe that would 
benefit from something like that or can you stick that in your, something that's you know well i mean all your aircraft all your awesome airplanes come with that but you know wh- what did you guys use to test like what size of airplane or did you just grab something and throw in the the, the stabilizer and see how it handled we we tested a whole variety of different stuff a lot of the testing we actually did with some of the flight test airplanes we had a i think a simple scout and a twin sparrow that we flew it in quite a bit um, we also had some, uh, random, um, flying wings and things that we have from a local guy that makes for a lot of the guys in the area here, um, that we flew it in quite a bit, but also too, even things like the QQ extra that we have, um, we flew them in that We We try to fly it in a variety of aircraft as much as possible. The biggest limiter with the aura five is it's only got five ports. So yeah. you're stuck to, you know, your two ailerons, one elevator, one rudder and your throttle. If you want to, um, you know, put it in anything complex, it gets a little more complicated, but, um, you know, that's the biggest limiting factor, but we, we tested in all kinds of different things. And, uh, that was kind of the goal too. We don't want, you know, the aura five to only be able to be used in a simple scout. You know, we wanted to be yeah. able to use in a wide variety of stuff. So it was important. We test a bunch of different things too. Yeah. So in that case, like you said, you're using, um, um, why why cables for your servos. So if you're running dual elevators or dual ailerons or whatever, that's all you're limited, but you're still getting your stability. So um, which right. is kind of see where in something like the flex, uh, sorry, the, the jet, everything is, if I'm correct, the ailerons are separate channels. I'm not sure about the elevator. Yes, the elevators are too, right? Because yep. you can do some really yep. crazy mixing. Like I said, my next adventure for that thing is to see if I can mix in a little bit of, on the on the um, the ailerons, see if I can turn them into a little bit of flaps just to give me for that shorter takeoff. And I've seen you guys sure. fly these things off grass and everything, and I'm like, I can't get that thing up to speed to do that, <laughs> let alone yeah. land it. Uh, I will tell a good story about that airplane. Um, I think it was my second flight. I did a landing, and I was kind of happy with it, but I was like, ooh, I'm rolling. I'm, I'm, I'm not slowing down. So I put the power back on, and it did a very, very lazy liftoff. And I was like, wow. And I came around the corner, and I actually did a touch and go on the parking lot scuffed off one of the wheels and kept going and i was like oh i'm still flying but it was just it was terrifying like second flight probably the most expensive aircraft i've ever purchased and this thing is barreling to the ground and i'm like i'm still flying awesome i came around and i landed and i sheared off one of the other gear foam put it back together and said okay fine it's scuffed now we're flying right like it wasn't new (laughs) it wasn't new anymore uh, yeah, but. it's funny because uh, you say that, you know, coming from the motocross background, the thing we always say in motocross, like you buy a new helmet, you're going to get a scratch in it. So go ahead and take it, throw it on the ground, get that first scratch out of the way. That way it, your head's not in it whenever you make the first scratch, you know. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like once you have that first little one, it's like, well, okay, now I've done it. It's over with. Let's move on and we can have fun flying. Nice. Okay, we actually have some questions from the community. So Robert asks Seth. What's the hardest plane you've ever flown? The hardest plane I'd ever flown? Honestly, oh, man, that's tough. Um, probably as many, many years ago, probably, I don't know, uh, 16, 17 years ago now, I had a, uh, uh, club members, when I lived in Ohio back home, I had a club members, a uh, little 20cc Pitts S1. Um, and the thing was just a brick, man. It was like 30 pounds, super heavy for such a small airplane. And the guy wouldn't mean a maiden it for him because he was unsure about his 
skills. So I went ahead and made it for him. I was able to get the airplane back on the ground okay, but I told the guy, I was like, you need to get rid of that airplane. Don't buy it because that thing snaps and spins and it does all kinds of crazy stuff that you don't want it to do. Um, that one was a bit of a challenge just because it was so heavy and so, you know, had such a tendency to tip stall and flick and do all kinds of weird things. That was probably the most difficult one. I've flown some pretty crazy jets and stuff, but I think that was the one that was the least least fun of the bunch to, to actually fly. <laughs> uh, and have you had those kind of days at work where it's like, you know, you, you come home and you're actually stressed from, from, from the work experience because you're, you're just, you're fighting an aircraft development that hard? Uh, I mean, for the most part anymore, most of us are pretty good. Like first round, we're close on what we want out of the design. You know, Kiki is really good with a lot of stuff. David's really good with a lot of stuff. So over the years, we've gained enough experience to be pretty close on the first rounds. Um, that's not to say that we don't have our own little things here and there that we don't like. But uh, for the most part, we're pretty good about getting pretty close pretty quickly out of the gate. Uh, but there's certainly been some stuff in the past that that I've flown when I was testing stuff, you know, hacking wings in half and changing dihedral <laughs> and all kinds of stuff to test things. Cause I didn't know at the time, you know, you just cut it and yep. try it. And it's like, Oh man, that was not the right way to go. But, nope. Too far. <laughs> but, uh, anymore. We've gotten pretty good at being pretty close to where it ends up in the, for the final product. Anyway, do you, um, Talk us through some of your design. Do you? I guess you're doing a lot in, in CAD and 3D and everything. Do you guys CNC in shop, or do you have to send that out for uh, for development? No, I mean, we usually like to have everything done by the factory. That way we're kind of seeing it, how they build it, how they do everything, just to kind of add another layer of quality control to the process. Um, so we, we basically you know work with all the 3D CAD or 2D, depending on whether it's balsa or foam. Mm. Um, you know, for foam, we obviously have to make the molds and stuff for it, so that's all done in 3D. Um, for all the laser-cut wood airplanes, it's all done in 2D because it's uh, cut with a 2D file um, from the laser. But um, we usually do all the 3D work, and then they, they'll cut the CNC uh, samples and stuff that we test. And uh, we have them build it, assemble it like they're going to produce it, you know, and fly it out of the box like it's a, like it's a brand new product, you know. Cool. Um, and that's really the the core to what we want to try to do is make sure the factory is on top of things from the get go. Well, yeah, it's it's pointless trying to design something that's so off the wall that the factory's like, well, it looks awesome, but I don't know how I'm going to produce it. Yeah. Um, right. What are you thinking about uh, 18, 24 months per per model design and testing from from conception to go? It really depends. It's, there's some stuff that's taken a lot of time, and then there's other stuff where we've turned around in eight months. So nice. it just depends on the product and kind of how things go with uh, you know everything else that's going on. You know, um, you know the the FV31 Cipher that we have, the little VTOL airplane. Um, that was something that took us quite a bit of time to do. Um, but we have products that's uh, you know like the Mamba 10 and stuff that were pretty quick uh, from the get go. So. It kind of varies. I mean, I would say on average we look around a year, but it just depends on the airplane. True, true. Are you guys, given the current climate and what's going on right now, are you still pushing forward or are you like tapping the brakes saying, well, let's wait till, till the market kind of recovers and everything until people can actually go fly? Or are you just like, let's go? We're we're just going forward, man. Um, you know, there's uh, there's no slowing down at this point for us. We're trying our best to keep going, keep things going. Obviously, with everything going on, it is a concern for the industry and for the market. But um, we're just pushing forward. You know, we've got a bunch of money and stuff invested in new products already. So there's no reason to sit down and 
not do them now at this point. You know, it's uh, it's something that we should continue working on. And unfortunately, with our local flying field shut down right now, we can't go out and test a lot of this stuff. So there's been some times where we've been flying in some, you know, local like abandoned roads and different things where we've done some testing at for some smaller stuff. But uh, we're doing our best to keep moving forward anyway. Nice. So Marketplace... I'd say you guys position yourselves in, in, you know, advanced pilot categories. You know, are you looking to broaden that, that, that envelope where someone can come in and say, yeah, this is going to be my first plane and, you know, or are you content where your, where your, your market space is? Uh, I mean, for the most part right now, I think, I think we're pretty happy with where everything is. We would like to get into some more of the um, beginner friendly stuff. You know, we have like the QQ extra 300, um, which I've always said is kind of like a good second airplane. It's not really that first airplane you want. Um, and we'd like to do some more like that type of thing. Um, not necessarily that specific airplane, but uh, more for that kind of class of pilot. Um, the beginner airplanes are kind of tough, you know, with a lot of people that don't know about the industry and stuff. They really want a, a package that has a transmitter, that has a battery, that has kind of everything they need. Yeah. And doing the transmitter, doing all that, all those other things is a little uh, on the difficult side for us. You know, we don't want to get too deep into the electronics thing. It's a huge investment and, in, uh, and that type of thing, but we're certainly looking into, you know, more beginner type products too, of course. Nice. Uh, Robert actually asked from, from the chat, does the Cessna 170, would that be a good second airplane or is that, that's probably a good third airplane based on the size and, and, you know, the amount of trouble you can get yourself into in a cub is it's surprising what you can do. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it just depends on each individual person. Of course, you know, we have the local club here in Venice. Um, they actually train with that airplane. So they actually nice. teach new students to fly with that. Um, we don't obviously recommend it for brand new people. Um, but it can be a really good second airplane. Um, the biggest thing is like you said, the size, make sure you have the space for it. It's got a lot of power. So for a newer pilot, I would say, you know, you probably should stick to like a five cell instead of a six cell battery for it. Um, <laughs> just cause it does have a ton of power. I mean, we hover it and do all the crazy stuff with it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good second or second, third airplane, uh, for sure. Nice. Nice. Uh, and I'm just going to look at this one. Oh, Will you guys, oh, is there any consideration? Yes. I haven't flown the Cypher. I saw it. Um, I probably would love to get my hands on it because I'm, I'm an EDF junkie as well, right? But any thoughts on designing further V-Stall type aircraft? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's something that we've certainly thought about. The Cypher's done pretty well for us so far. Um, it's something pretty unique, and most everyone that flies it just has a ball with it. I think the the biggest thing that's tough with that type of airplane is getting people to fly it first. You know, if someone doesn't have it, doesn't fly it, they're kind of like, yeah, it's maybe not for me. But after they fly it, they realize it's just a ball of fun and hilarious to do some of the crazy stuff you can do with it. So it's something, you know, we certainly are keeping in the back of our minds. We don't have anything necessarily we're working on directly at this point, but it's certainly something we kind of keep in the back of our minds for the future. Nice. And then uh, a follow-up question from uh, the Flying Greek is, do you design for many other manufacturers or are you just solely working for Flex now, 100%? Strictly strictly for Flex. So nice. uh, same thing with Kike and David and the guys. Everyone's pretty much doing anything strictly for Flex. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're very important to the company and we want to make sure that all of our, our products are from us. You know, we want to, we got so much stuff that we can do. We don't have enough people to do it. So. Nice. That's it. That's a good product you know what it, it is nice to hear that given everything that's going on that's a good problem to have 
Um, I guess I'm gonna ooh, do flex, man. The, the 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 questions are coming in. This has helped me <laughs> along. Uh, does flex plan on making another any other 100 cc single mono uh, planes uh, extra yeah, edge or yak? I mean, you know, we've got the Mamba 120 that we're, we, we announced uh, back in the fall that'll be available uh, kind of summertime this year. We're kind of going to sit on that and see how that goes for a little bit. We want to make sure that there's market there for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the guys like Extreme Flight and so on have a pretty good hold of that marketplace and they make some really good products. So, you know, we want to see how the Mamba 120 does first and, you know, maybe from there we'll see how things go. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's actually, yeah, do you... Are you able to talk us through some of your, when you do your market evaluation about where you want to position yourself or is that just a little too internal? Um, I mean, we don't really have like any like specific position we want to be in. I mean, like I kind of mentioned earlier is like our core with our products is just great flying aircraft um, and great products to go along with those. And so to us, it doesn't necessarily matter. Oh, it has to be aerobatic or it has to be scale or it has to be an EDF. We're kind of just focused on good flying airplanes as a whole. Um, so it's not necessarily one category we want to lock ourselves into. I mean, obviously we're not doing, um, quads or multi-rotors and stuff, but, uh, certainly from the aircraft side, we're very focused on good flying products. And I don't think that there's necessarily a window that we want to keep ourselves or a box. We want to keep ourselves in, if that makes sense. Nope. Totally. Totally. Um, I'm just looking through the stuff. The composite flex jet, was that something that was just a, we can do it? Or was that a, just an exercise in redesign? Like, I, I love the idea that, if I'm correct, it's an ARF. So if I ever tanked this thing, if I ever banged up the foam on this thing, I could rip out all my gear and technically drop it into the, to the, uh, a new chassis and, and go for a composite, correct? Uh, I mean, not exactly. The, the new flex jet, we really run, recommend running on 8S. Uh, rather than nice. 6S. Nice. Um, so there's a little bit of difference there. It would probably fly on a 6S power system. Um, it's 90 millimeter, of course, so you could put anything, any 90 millimeter you wanted in it. Um, but that one we're trying to, like, we've kind of created the the spot um, with the flex standard flex jet. It's kind of a, a decent, like, entry-level jet type of airplane. And this is kind of we're trying to bridge that gap between that and the turbines. Um, so that way you don't have to go straight from a foamy to a big, giant, $30,000 turbine jet, you know, you kind of have something <laughs> in the middle. You can, you can take a step two before you go there. Um, and that's kind of been our goal with that is to give you that turbine experience, but without the costs and without the complexity of the big turbines. Nice. Any, any appetite from, from your market share to actually produce a slightly smaller jet? Um, it's tough, man. We always kind of focus on like a lot of it has to do with like what the common batteries are out there. Um, So we try to design stuff around common batteries. That's not to say that we won't ever do products that have an odd battery or a totally different power system that's unique. Um, But just like, you know, like the 5S stuff is just not very common as far as batteries are concerned. And same thing with 4S. So you kind of go from 3 to 6S and it's tough to make something really work (laughs) real well on 3S when it gets into that size of aircraft. So, you know, certainly not want to say that never, but at this point it's just kind of a tough sell anyway. Yeah, no, but I'm I don't I'm not meaning like a nine a, uh, a like a, a three S like another six S jet, but not as large. I mean, the flex jet is a big it's a big size jet. The ninety it's actually it's probably my only ninety in the in the in the fleet of jets I have. But if you guys look at seventies and eighties, just to you know offer up the you know the customer base something a little a little different. Yeah, I mean it's like I said, it's kind of this kind of a similar thing. I mean. 
you get down to like the 6S 3300s and stuff, they're still reasonably popular, but still not quite as popular as that 6S 5000 or 6S 5500 or whatever yeah. that most people have. Um, so you can go smaller, you really need to go smaller battery, whether it's capacity or, or cell count, just to keep the weight of the airplane down. Um, and that's really one of the keys to making something fly well is having enough wing area with for the weight, you know, that yeah. keeps it flying well. So not to say that we won't ever do it, but, um, you know, at this point, we don't necessarily have any plans or anything to go that direction. Yeah, I, 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 I know it flies really well. Actually, it's a, uh, it's surprisingly um, calm. I, I think uh, the first time I flew it, I was terrified, and then once I got it in the air, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I got this, and and just I was amazed at one how much space the thing eats up because that's it is mm-hmm. hauling, but it just it flew so well. It's so visual and everything. Um, with the uh, with the red and white, and I, I like the fact that you've gone with the orange on the other one, but that that the colors pop and everything, and it's just kind of a when, when I brought it home, lab. That's two years ago now. The guys are like looking at it, going, "What is it?" And I'm like, "To me, it's like this mashup between it's like an F-18 and an F-16 got together, and this was this is their offspring because it's got elements right. of both, right?" <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. David's the one that, that did all the work on that, and he always jokes and says, "Yes, I mean it's pretty much a mashup. We wanted something that looks sort of scale, but wasn't exactly scale. Actually, one of the best of everything, you know. And so if you if you look at it, I mean it's probably most similar to a T fifty. Yeah. Um. Outside of that, you know, there's a little F eighteen, a little Yak one thirty, a little F sixteen. You know, there's a little bit of everything in it. So, but we wanted to do a lot to to make it look cool and be a good flying airplane too. So. Nice, nice. It is, and it's uh, it's surprising, and I love the fact that I I dropped in my receiver, my my uh, I fly in FR Sky with these guys, dropped it in, told the board what it was, checked a few things, and and I'll, and we're off and going. Um, from from a from an entry level pilot, well, entry level, not entry, but for my first flex, it took me a little while to get used to some of the 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 nuances, things like the um, I remember one flight just looking at it, going, okay, I toggled the gear, and. I'm like, oh, I didn't cycle it before I took off, and it was just these little things because I'm first sure. time flying something with a sequencer. There's 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 a routine sure. to go with that, right? It's yeah. not, you know, you yeah. gotta you gotta cycle those gears before you go. Because I took off, and I think one retracted and two stayed out. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I realized, <laughs> right. oh, I gotta re- I gotta cycle these things out before I actually go flying and everything. And it's just a learning experience. But then once you go, and then like, um, the Mama Ten was a piece of cake. I dropped in a receiver. Flick, 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 done, 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 done. And it was it was a piece of cake because you guys do all the homework ahead of time and you know, you just tell it, What's my radio? This done. So right. the big yep. appreciation from that end. But it's one of those things you've got to be ready for those technological demands. It's not uh, you know, there are some things go, but like you take all those steps and you're rewarded instantly with with like you said, a super flying experience. And like I remember agonizing, I'm looking at it going the A ten sorry the uh, the uh, the Mamba Ten or the RV, and I'm like, oh, I want something to fly in my smaller packs, and that's where the Mamba won out. Um, yeah, the sixty looked good. I think the sixty single, very similar to the Mamba Ten, but like you know, the wings don't come off, or is the, the wings come off? Um, that one actually has a pretty similar uh, wing mounting method as the seventy CC. Mm-hmm. So it's one screw per wing panel, and then it has little pins you can remove to pull the struts off the wings. So you basically have four screws to put it together at the field. 
um, which is pretty nice for a biplane of that size. Most people need to take it apart or at least take one half of the airplane apart to fit it in their car. Yeah. Um, my, I have a Ford Flex that I drive, and I have to take one half of it off to get it to fit, but otherwise <laughs> it fits. So it's nice just to be able to pull out two screws and pull the pins on the one side. It's, it's apart, you know. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier in the podcast your primary large scale gas. So do you like do you prefer to fly a fuel based aircraft or would you, you know, if you had to pick, you know, between a battery depending on your day or is it just where I'm going, what I feel like flying? I mean, like if I'm flying for myself, it's usually like, well, I have a, I, like I said, I have my Ford Flex, and I can kind of put anything from a hundred cc to a ten size in the air, in the car. So most of the time, it's about how much time do I have to go to the field to fly? <laughs> yeah. Can I spend a couple hours of the field, or am I stuck to like running a couple packs and then leaving? Yeah. Um, you know, it just depends. I mean, for the most part, I'm, I like I said, I very much enjoy the giant scale stuff. So if I have the time, I'll usually fly it over something smaller. But that's just kind of from my background, my history, and what I personally enjoy the most. But um, you know, it just depends on what what exactly they were doing and how much time i have i guess nice nice actually that that answers a big question for me because that's been my my dilemma is like okay if i get this next stage of aircraft in a year or two you know if i'm going i'm flying and i'm flying because if i'm going to put fuel into the tank i'm going to fly the tank dry because if i have to unpump the tank isn't it it's kind of like coming home with extra charge packs right it's like oh right. you failed at your objective right you know yeah uh Let's see. Uh, I'm going to look at a couple of questions here, and then I want to jump into the hot seat questions for you because those are fun, and uh, though a lot of those are questions that people submitted, and I even have a bell. <laughs> uh, Alex says, good morning. Is there any concern about manufacturing in the near future, um, uh, and can you produce models in the U.S.? I guess you're probably much m- majority, like majority of the manufacturers, your production facilities are overseas is that a concern for you right now or is it just you know you guys are going to keep running your business as the model is proven i mean at this point in time you know obviously it's something we keep in the back of our mind but um, it's just so expensive to get stuff produced here in the states Um, you know most of the products would triple or quadruple in price if they were produced here and, and it's unfortunate that's the way that it is but um, right now everything's looking pretty good even with the virus and stuff that's going on everything's looking pretty good in China um, you know the biggest concerns is for us is you know what what are all the import restrictions and stuff going to be in the future and how is all that changing but um, you know we don't have any huge plans to move anything to the US and everything's moving forward pretty well at this point in China so we don't have a huge concern but you know it's always something we keep in the back of the mind for sure very cool. Very good answer. Man, you're doing, you're a pro at this. <laughs> Might have to have you on again next year or in the, in the near future again when, when uh, you know, if you guys do any other reveals and everything, it'd be awesome to talk to some of your designers as well. Um, sure. Actually, what's, uh, looking at the, um, it was one of the questions and something you said earlier on, like, what was the most recent aircraft you uh, had your hands on? I mean, the, the F-100 is probably the most recent that I've done some work with. Uh, you know, like I said, I did the, we have we have two profiles for the Oro mm-hmm. that it comes with out of the box. We have kind of the, the stock profile and the expert profile. Um, the expert settings and profile for the Oro is what I kind of created and came up with for the F-100. Um, I didn't do so much in the design side. David's the one that did mm-hmm. all that. He's the genius when it comes to all the aerodynamics of the intake and fan and all that stuff going on. Um, but, uh, that's probably the latest that I've had a little bit of help in, you know, like I said, you know, there's times where Kiki doesn't have time to go test some servos. So I'll run out to the field and test servos. Now, as far as like full product, 
Um, I haven't done any, anything here at Flex that's been released yet um, as far as a complete product that was d- done by me. There's stuff that I'm working on. Um, obviously, that'll be out a long ways from now. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, I just help out kind of where's needed and do what we need to do for testing and different purposes. So Cool. I'm liking these answers, man. You're you're seasoned. I like this. This makes my job really <laughs> easy. All right. So, okay. So there's a there's a litany of questions. I I, I choose editorial rights on them and everything. But uh, number six, um, be- wheels or belly lander? Depends on the size. I think you know if it's a smaller airplane, like a little bit smaller than a flex jet, got to go belly. I uh, I love the performance without the wheels and on airplanes like that. Um, just really helps the performance of the airplane. Nice, nice. All right, hold on. I lost my numbers. <laughs> my random generator. All right, number twenty-eight. Uh, ooh, line of sight or FPV? Do you fly FPV at all? I do. I do a little bit of both. I primarily focused on line of sight just because that's what I grew up with doing. That's kind of my core focus. But I certainly have some. Uh, other stuff too. I think I have. You know, here's a little uh, nice. quad sitting next to yep. me. So you know, I, I do a little bit of it, but I'm not as into it as some people are. Of course, I've done a little bit of racing primarily, but nothing too crazy with it. Cool. Do you do uh, any FPV plane stuff, or just mainly the quads? I have. I've done more of the quads because I can kind of fly them in the yard or whatever here at the house. But I've done a little airplane stuff in the past. You know, when I was at Horizon, um, I had a hand in developing um, the little Habu, Micro Habu Safe. And I flew one of those FPV that was a lot of fun. We did a lot of the <laughs> stuff like the FPV Vapor and the little FPV quads and stuff that Horizon did. Yeah. Um, but we've done a lot of airplane stuff over the years too. So Nice, nice. Uh, this one here is, do you have any other hobbies? I do, I do. Um, I I still have a dirt bike, so nice. that's uh, one of my other hobbies. Um, but I, my wife and I, we go out and we'll go riding here at the local track and uh, trail place and have some fun doing that. So that's a lot of fun to do too. Good exercise as well. As in pedal bike or motorcycle still? No, motorcycle, dirt bike. Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, the Chris who used to run the podcast with me, he was a big motocrosser in the years, and yeah. And uh, he um, he had the opportunity to jump on an electric motocross, and he says he was surprised. Just he said the memory muscle, the muscle memory was there, but he was surprised just how much work his body had to, to deal with. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting workout. All right, Velcro. I love this question. So um, oh, I lost it here. Like a fuzzy on the battery or fuzzy on the fuselage. Fuzzy, the soft side on the battery. Nice, good. We've got a, yeah. you know, that's been pretty well 100%, you know, who needs to get stuff stuck to your battery, right? <laughs> yeah, I've always done the soft side on the battery also just because if I lay the battery on the airplane or something, it doesn't scratch the airplane as well, especially with ultra coat covered airplanes. So that's just what I've always done, but. Never thought of it that way. Uh, do you have a favorite brand of radio? Favorite brand radio? I fly Spectrum. I'm a Spectrum guy at heart. I flew Fataba for many years when I first got into the hobby. Um, had some issues in the past, obviously completely unrelated. This was back on 72 megahertz, completely unrelated to the brand being good or bad. But um, we switched at that time to JR and kind of evolved through JR into Spectrum as stuff switched over from JR to Spectrum here in the States. Nice. So with the Flying RC hobby, what would you what would you describe as your favorite part of it? Favorite part of it? I think a lot of it just has to be like the friends and and fellowship of other people at the events and hanging out with friends. I think that's the biggest part. That's the most fun for me. It's the flying's fun too, but yeah, just hanging out at the field, chit chatting with people, and 
you know, sitting over a fire or something, an event and cooking some hamburgers or whatever is a lot of fun too. I think, yeah, you know what? It sounds funny. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks and, uh, Due to my circumstances, I've really had to hunker down and not not see any of my buddies. And I can tell you, I'm feeling it now. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen, um, with the industry changing as well as social media kicking in, have you seen, uh, have you seen that that feel change? And has it been a good thing or bad thing? Uh, with the virus you're talking specifically no, just, or just, just in general not the virus but just like you know as social media has increased as we as we're talking more globally and, and just meeting people and you know and some of these events like you, you know flex has been at uh at flight fest now twice now i think and you know have you seen the culture change over the years uh, i would say so i mean you know in general when I, when my dad and i first got into the hobby you know there really wasn't that much in the way of online stuff for the hobby i think back in the day we had flying circus and stuff that we were on as far as a forum um but that was kind of the extent of what the hobby was for online anyway um and there's good and both bad sides to it both i think but uh it's certainly been a huge thing as far as like people getting together and communicating and helping each other with problems and all that sort of thing that's the good kind of positive thing that i've always enjoyed with all the social media all the online forums and that sort of thing very cool uh, next one is a battery question, and that is uh, 3S, 4S, 6S, or 8S? Uh, I mean, if you're just talking pure battery, 6S is probably my favorite. It's so many airplanes and stuff you can fly with 6S, um, but yeah. Cool. Now, actually, this was a technical question. Someone was asking us the other day, you know, would you go, if you needed to fly 6S, would you do two 3Ss or just a 6S pack and, and same thing on the 8S? Uh, I mean, on on 6S, I think I would personally just fly one 6S. Uh, for me, anyway, I fly a lot of bigger airplanes, too, so having the ability to run two 6S for 12S <laughs> is a really good thing. Um, you know, like our Mamba 70, we have an electric version of, so that runs 12S. Um, so for me, I run a single 3S, like 2200 for my QQ Extra, my Mamba 10 and stuff, yep. but from there, I just go straight 6S 5000. I, I when I started the EDFs, holy that 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 came on, and it was like last year I think it was either three S or six S, and that was it. There was actually no floor S flying almost last year. Now I did pick up a the the uh, E flight cargo plane, and finally had to order some fresher four S packs. But I was stunned at how quickly I accumulated six S packs. And you sit there and go, okay, the forty five hundreds will flit in this aircraft. Let's buy two airplanes that'll fly with that one okay i got the you know and all of a sudden it was like and then like i said i started flying the flex and i'm like ooh, i want something that's more than 40c on on the burst you know because it's like oh it's just it's it's nice but i know it can do more i've seen it do more sure. so yeah yeah it's amazing just how quickly you start accumulating these 6s packs i mean um it yeah. seems every winter when the sales come up i'm like let's go and now i've got you know a whack that unfortunately i'm gonna sit and wait but that's uh, yeah. that's okay. I'm I'm okay with that. All right, next question, number sixteen. Oh, well, your your opening kind of stated this, but are you self learned or instructed? Uh, long story short, is I'm instructed. Uh, my dad went to the first USRC flight school up in Shawano, Wisconsin. Um, Dave Scott's only taught my dad how to fly. And then about two weeks after my dad learned to fly, he taught me based on the same principles that David Scott taught him. So instructed, um, but my dad was still a pretty new pilot at the time too. So, uh, we were both kind of learn a little bit learning together at the time. Um, and this is like, how far back is that? 
Uh, that would be 2000, let me think, uh, 2002. Wow. Uh, so 2001. Not so too far. So about 18 well, years. 18 years. Yeah. You think it's gotten easier or do you think it's just that the technology has just uh, helped us out or do you find like pilots are picking it up quicker now? Um, I mean, I think ultimately there's, there's, you know, a little bit of both to that question. I mean, stuff like the Apprentice S from Horizon and stuff has certainly opened up um, people being able to fly without instruction from other people. Um, of course, you know, there's the bad side to that as well, but um, you know, I think that's really opened up a lot of avenues for people that maybe don't have someone local to them that can teach them to fly. And I think there's a lot more people learning in that regard. Um, so I think that's a good thing overall to see that we're getting more people into the hobby that way. Um, I think now they even have like a mini apprentice S and some smaller airplanes that are a little yeah. more expensive too, that helps people out. Um, but I think that's really helping a lot of people learn to fly that maybe don't have someone local to them to be able to teach them to fly or a local club, for example. Yeah, and then you get things like you know the flight test aircraft, and then you know drop in yep. one of your, one of your new you new controllers, and suddenly they've got stabilized flight on a on a two dollar airframe, right? It's got it like right. geez, like there's no stress. Yeah. That's exactly. that's funny. Um, uh, I'm I'm not the only dad who just you know like if my parents could have afforded me to go flying when I was a kid, I would have been all over it. I, I go to my sons to come out and go flying with me. He's like, nah, you know, I get them on the RC trucks, but I'm like. You can't hurt this stuff, and if you do, it takes us a half an hour with a ho- with a glue gun, and it's back in the air. So, right, it's like yep. you know. Now, obviously, you know you're flying at a much higher level. So, uh, this comes to question number twenty-two. What is your best crash? Best crash. <laughs> um, there's been a couple of them over the years. I mean, for the most part, I haven't had too many that are just my fault in general. I've had more like equipment failures and stuff uh, over the years. Um, I was in an IMAT contest probably 2004-ish. Um, I had my transmitter battery drop a cell on a 34% 100cc airplane, and I was on final approach kind of coming in between some trees, and it radio just shut off, so the airplane just did a slow roll, and there was nothing I could do about it. That one, that one hurt more than anything just because I watched the whole thing happen, you know. Um, I had one a while back, uh, probably same time frame. I was flying a composite extra. And I forgot to flip into high rates when I was trying to hover it and didn't have enough authority in the tail to keep it hovering. So it just kind of fell down and crashed. Um, that one was repairable, but both of them are pretty pretty uh, painful anyway. Let's put it that way. That has to make some amazing sounds. I know when foam goes in, there's a good pop. But when, when balsa or something else goes in, that is, it, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah, that sound is just yeah. Yeah. craziness. Um, what is your absolute favorite RC experience? My favorite RC experience. I mean, I've had a lot of fun over the years at Joe Nall. It's such a huge event, and I get to see so many of my friends and stuff there, um, both international and friends from the U.S. too. Um, I've got so many friends over in Europe or overseas that come to that event, and we get to hang out and actually see each other for the one time a year we get to see each other. So that, to me, is a pretty cool experience overall. Flight uh, Flight Fest is very similar in that regard. You know, you get to see a ton of people you don't always get to see. Um, so both of those events are pretty cool f- experience for me. Nice. This is a loaded question, I think. Number 15, a $2,000 plane or $2,100 planes? For me, anyway, $2,000 airplane. I, you know, I'm so used to flying the big airplanes. There's something to be said for bigger flies better, man. It's, uh, that's, that's for me, you know, each person has their own budgets and everything. But for me, anyway, that's, that's what I would prefer to fly. Nice, nice. Okay, then, so what was your first RC plane? First RC airplane was a Tara Hobbies 60 size trainer. 
Um, it was uh, blue, yellow, and red, uh, just a typical high-wing balsa trainer. Um, my dad crashed three of them before he learned to fly from the flight school and then came home and taught me on the fourth one that we had. And uh, we were able to actually have some success with that one after he learned to fly. But that was the that was the very first one we built. Nice. Yeah, I um, it's funny. Like I, I probably tell a very similar experience where like my first airplane was just absolutely terrifying because all you know it was back in the day i was making like penny pennies per you know on on the dollar kind of thing and all i could just see was dollar signs flying through the air and then the thing would lean out and shut the motor off and i'd throw the radio back at the instructor go here figure it out right now it's just like game on let's go and you know like you said once you get that scratch you know you get that first scratch and it's like let's fly this thing um so yeah yeah Yeah, Um, pretty a little funny a little bit of a funny story but with that first airplane one of the first times my dad flew it or tried flying it i guess i should say he um he's like oh i read all the books he's like i think i can do this i think i can do this you know and he went out and flew it it flew for maybe four seconds rolled over and crashed into the ground and he was so excited he's like it flew it flew it flew (laughs) he was like he didn't care that he just demolished the airplane he was just uh absolutely happy and thrilled that it went up in the air you know something he built flew that's it um i think that's where i enjoy a lot of the scratch building too because you you know i've i've looked at this air these airplanes now for a good many years and every once in a while i get the desire and i'll go build something and once in a while it, it's a total dud and then then other ones are like hey look it flew the principles are there i know what i'm talking about so yeah. th- this actually leads into to question number seven pre-built or are you a builder uh, I mean, I've done both over the years. I mean, most of the big arfs and stuff today, they're such good quality and such nice airplanes to begin with. They're built really well. It's really tough to justify building something that size yourself and spending a year or whatever on it when you can get something for a couple hundred bucks more that's already done, you know. So I think it depends on the size, you know, like a lot of the flight test airplanes are great airplanes to build yourself and have a lot of fun with. And a lot of that foam board stuff can be really cool to scratch build or do whatever you want with it. Um, so on the smaller stuff like that, I think it's really cool to do all the scratch build. But on the bigger stuff, it's hard to hard to justify the extra time when it's only a couple hundred bucks more, you know. Nice, nice. Uh, all right. I'm going to look for a few more of these questions. There are a couple of really good ones in here. Um, and we're, we're getting to the point where we're actually, yeah. Okay. Mode. What mode do you fly? Are you just a traditional two? Uh, yeah, I fly mode two. Um, Kike and David both here fly mode one. Um, and so it's a little tough because when we try to like let each other fly airplanes, we got to rebind to another radio and, you, just you know, can't we can just over. pass the box back and forth. <laughs> um, David actually, he fly, David's kind of interesting. He flies mode one airplanes and mode two helis. Um, so it's, he's a little different in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Holy yeah. But he, he can fly, he can fly mode two airplanes around, but he's not the type that would fly his big, like top gun scale MIG mode two. He wants to fly at mode one, you know, but he can fly, you know, your kind of typical T28 or whatever around mode two, but much prefers mode one. Interesting. Interesting. So on the remote, are you uh are you a thumbs or a pincher? I pinch. Nice. Well, I kind of, I guess, hybrid? I guess I kind of hybrid. Yeah. I thought my, my, fingers aren't pinching the sticks but my thumb my fingers are kind of in front of the stick and my thumbs are on top so it's kind of a hybrid but i call it pension yep there you go and do do you actually i don't know if i've ever watched you fly do you like hold the remote down or do you strap with the remote it's kind of like i would say it's probably like a neck strap and it's usually about where my belly button is more or less where i hold the radio it's not like super low but it's not like up in my face here either so it's kind of in the middle i guess you would say but i do use a position yeah 
Nah, yeah, I do sense. use an extra app on, on most of the bigger airplanes that I fly. If it's something like an extra or whatever I'm just goofing off with, I usually just grab the radio and go out and fly it. It's not as stressful, I guess you would say, as the, <laughs> as the big airplane. So. Nice. Um, are you primarily a tail dragger or do you like tricycle gear? I like both. Uh, you know, there's something to be said for doing like touch and goes with a Cessna or something with the nose gear off the ground, you know. But at the same time, you can't deny the fun of a tail dragger too. No. So it's hard to pick one. It's it's funny because I was on such a jet streak for a while that I got you know pretty decent at controlling them and landing them and then one day I went out and I flew um, I flew a, uh, one of my larger Cubs and I was like wow I haven't flown a tail dragger and I the takeoff <laughs> I ground looped the thing right away because I forgot I'm like oh yeah I gotta throw in the elevator here or the rudder sorry sure and you're like whoops. Yep. Oops. So, all right. Yep. You know what? I think we've gone through. Uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll ask you this one. Uh, Spitfire Mustang. Mustang. Nice, nice. Hellcat or uh, Corsair? American, <laughs> American Heritage. What's that? Yeah. Hellcat or Corsair? Corsair. Nice. There you go. Two two beautiful American airplanes. All right. So, yeah. uh, I'm just looking uh, to see if there's any other last questions from the guys, but there. I don't think there. Oh, one question from Alex was what uh, what. QQ's uh, primary, um, what's, uh, does, oh, does he do the primary yes. design work? Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of the, a lot of the designs, you know, the most of the designs we come out with are designed, designed by him. Um, you know, he does a lot of other stuff for the company too, but um, primarily he does a lot of the designs that, that we come out with. There we go. Well, any other last little things you want to add to before we, uh, before we wrap up this awesome podcast? Nothing specific, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was, uh, it was a good time hanging out with everyone and chatting with everyone. Nice. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to start up that extra music, and we're going to wrap up the show. Seth, it's been a pleasure uh, to, to get to know you over the last hour on the show. Uh, everybody, thank you for uh, subscribing. Continue going. Once a lot of this chaos is over, we owe people stickers, uh, the RC After Hours stickers and the Blame Andre stickers. Um, and again, check out Flex Innovations if you guys are looking for that next level of flying. I tell you, they, they've kept me happy and smiling for a while. Um, like I said, that Mamba is always in the car with me whenever I go out because it's just so much fun. Again, Seth, thank you. Uh, everybody who's subscribed and everything and the Patreon people, hey, much appreciated. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. See you later.